All right, well, we are still in the book of First John. We're going to finish chapter 3 this evening, so if you have a copy of God's Word with you, you can open it there on your phone or your tablet or a hard copy of God's Word. We're going to be in verses 19 through 24 this evening. So First John chapter 3, and as we've been working our way through John's first letter, uh, by now, hopefully, you remember that there are three tests now, we're going to do this a little more like we did last week, where hopefully uh, we can do a little, little quiz, a little back and forth. So we've got three tests. Who can remember one test of the three? Love. Okay. Love and truth. Got, got two of them. Very good. So uh, the truth test, do you believe the truth about Jesus? Do you believe the truth of the gospel? The love test, do you live in a way that shows that you love the family of God, act like you're part of God's family? And the third test is the life test. Do you live in a way that shows that you know Jesus? So as we've worked our way through these passages, uh, what we do is kind of ask, okay, which test is he hitting on? And so as we uh, read through our passage today, uh, begin with that question in mind, what test or tests is John addressing in our passage today? So 1 John 3, verse 19, and we'll read down through verse 24. Uh, John writes, By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the spirit that he has given us. So if we're looking at this passage and saying, okay, which of these three tests, uh, the truth test, the life test, the love test, which of these three do you think it is? Truth. 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 Yep, truth. And any other votes? <laughs> it's kind of all three. It's a little bit of a trick question today uh, because he, he does start believing in the name of Jesus Christ. So clearly you've got the truth test there. He also talks about keeping God's commandments, which you could say is the life test, how you live. And then he also says that we ought to love one another. And so really he hits all three for us this week. As we begin our study here, I wanted to uh, kind of walk through something that is not uncommon in my experience as a pastor. It tends, it can happen really at any stage in life. It kind of tends to hit I would say in three different sections. One would be uh, maybe the teenage years. Another would be uh, maybe the middle age years. And the other would be as, as you get older. And there are kind of gaps in between. But people go through periods of time where they begin kind of agonizingly asking the question, how can I know if I know Christ? And it's agonizing because of what's at stake. So for instance, if I walk through my life and I think I know Christ and then I come to a point, maybe we're in, near the end of life, I'm thinking about what's next, uh, thinking about the possibility of passing. And I think, well, how do I know if I know Christ and what if I don't? Well, the consequences aren't small. On one side lies eternity in heaven, in paradise, with Christ, with God. On the other is eternal judgment in hell. And the stakes are so high, it makes it a difficult question to address. And I've had uh, more than one member sit in my office or sit with them in their home and then really wrestle with this. How can I know if I know Christ? 
Uh, for instance, children who make a profession of faith at a young age, then they become teenagers and they begin to struggle with more adult sins. Sometimes that leads to questioning this. Um, sort of this existential, what we sometimes call a midlife crisis can lead to this, and then also later in life. And there are certain people who, uh, who tend toward this more anyway, who are maybe more introspective or tend to ask a question after question after question. How can I know? Well, what about this? What about this? And so John addresses uh, that kind of person for us this evening. So in verse 19, he starts by saying, by this we shall know we are of the truth. So what does John mean by we can know? He's really addressing the basic question of the book, and that is, how can we know if we know Christ? Or how can we have confidence? How can we have joy in our relationship with Christ? And so it gives us three tests, and here in this one paragraph, he really hits at all three of these tests. And so how does John tell us that, that we can know? We uses the word, he says, that we can reassure our heart before him. And so really, he's dress, addressing uh, the questioning person here, the person who's struggling with assurance or struggling with their confidence in their relationship with Christ. And so he's saying, here's a way you can know and also be reassured that you know Christ. So as you walk through life, here's a way that you can, uh, when you're tempted to question, when you're tempted to wonder, tempted to fear, here's a way that you can do that. And he says that there are ways to do this, the truth test, uh, the life test, and the love test. And so ultimately what he's saying here is that you don't come to know Christ by looking at these things, but looking at these, the fruit in your life, can offer assurance, or as he says here, reassurance. So we can get some assurance by seeing how we respond to the commands of God and how we love one another. But there's a challenge here, and the challenge is in verse 20. Now, Jeremiah 17 verse 9 tells us that our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So we've got this deceitful heart within us, but then we've got Christ who redeems us and gives us a new heart. But verse, 19, or verse 20 highlights a particular challenge. And at the, at the beginning of verse 20, what does he say condemns us? Our heart our heart. Now, what's worse than being accused? It's being self-accused. Because a lot of what we accuse ourselves of is true. I mean, in terms of earthly speaking, other than God himself, we know ourselves better than anyone else. But our hearts are deceitful. So they can, they can speak messages that sound true, but they're not true. They can speak other messages that are true. And so how is it that, that we walk through this? Well, our hearts can deceive us in at least two ways. One way, and this is the way that we fear, is that we can be self-deceived in believing and thinking that we know Jesus when we don't actually know him. So we think, I know God, but do I really? And so the, the, this kind of fear is agonizing. Am, am I self-deceived thinking I'm a Christian, but I'm actually not? But there is a flip side to that as well. There's another way our hearts can deceive us in regard to this question. And that is, we actually question whether we know Jesus when we actually do know Jesus. So you see why this is tricky, because on the one hand, we can be self-deceived, think we know him, we don't. On the other hand, we can know him, trust him, and yet question whether we do. And so it's, it's very difficult uh, to work through this, and it's a painful process to work through. 
Now, the difficulty with this is we've got a future reality, and that is a place where we won't sin, where our faith will be sight, and we won't have to question anything. But here and now, we live in the in-between, where we are redeemed by the blood of Christ, but we are not yet what we will be. We aren't yet fully perfected in Christ. It's this process. And so what we do is we try as best we can in our fallen, broken, weakened condition to love God, to pursue him. And yet we can, we, we can never do it perfectly. We'll always fall short of, of perfection. And so this is a fearsome thing, but there is here a strong note of hope. So our heart condemns us. Now, our tendency is to ask ourselves, to question ourselves. And, and in fact, uh, I saw a, a, a major talking head uh, this week say, do this, look within you for the answer. But what God's word said in verse, says in verse 20 is if we look there, look at our hearts, what do our hearts do for us? They condemn us. But where should we look then? If we don't look to our heart, what is greater or who is greater than our heart? Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. He says here, God is greater than our heart. And so the tendency is, uh, if we tend to be introspective and we're walking through this question, it tends to be a little bit painful, is to get so introspective, we begin looking further within. And what he says here is, if you look there, your heart condemns you. And your heart has a strong ally, and that's the accuser of the brethren, Satan, and he loves to attack. And so you've, you've got this tendency to look within, but what he says is, God is greater than our heart, and what does God know? Everything. Everything. Now, this isn't just a, uh, I don't know, a statement into the ethos or the atmosphere where it's like, theoretically, God knows all things. That is true. God is omniscient. He knows all things. But what he's saying here is God knows everything about you. God knows everything about me. God knows our hearts. So we think we know our hearts. God really knows our hearts. Yes. So we understand certain aspects of our heart, but God knows us better than we know ourselves. And the reason there's hope in this is because not only does God know everything, he says God is greater than our heart. So God knows our hearts better than we and God himself is powerful enough to overcome the deception in our heart. And so how does he do this? He does this through his word and through the fruit of the spirit, through the fruit of the spirit in our lives. So, so let's look a little bit further now in verse 21. So he's talking about self-condemnation or the condemnation of our own hearts. Our heart's tendency to pronounce us guilty. Verse 21, though, he says, if our heart doesn't condemn us, what do we have? Confidence. confidence. Confidence before God. And really that's what we're trying to get, right? Is confidence in our relationship with the Lord. So the, the path to confidence is by having a heart that does not condemn us. If our heart condemns us, we can't have confidence. It doesn't mean we know God, don't know God. It just means we don't have confidence that we know God. But if our heart doesn't condemn us, we can have confidence in this. So how then do we keep our heart from condemning us? How do we keep from saying, well, there's not enough fruit. I don't love enough. I'm not sure if I believe enough. How do I know? How do we keep our heart from condemning us? Well, it's, it's this. God is more powerful than our heart. Our tendency is to listen to our heart. 
but we should listen, instead of listening to ourselves, listen to God. Where do we go to listen to God's voice? Word. Yeah, to God's word. So we overcome the tendency of our hearts by speaking truth from God's word to ourselves. It's taking God's word, it's meditating on it, it's digging into it and preaching to ourselves, speaking to ourselves rather than listening to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And how do we do this? Verse 22, so in context, so we, we have this, uh, we're, we're gonna get into a different, so right now we're, we're talking about, okay, listening to God's word. Verse 22 gets into a different spiritual discipline and it says, whatever we ask, we receive from him. So we get this confidence in part by asking God for it, by filling our minds with the word of God and then asking God. And he says, whatever we ask, we receive because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. So what does confidence before God produce? An effective prayer life. In other words, if we come before God and we question, does God love me? Does God know me? Does God know my name? Is, is my name written in his book? Do I have a personal relationship with God? It produces hesitancy or fear in our uh, conversations with God. But if we come before God and we have confidence before him, it leads to an effective prayer life. Uh, what, what, uh, what the book of Hebrews says, we come before him boldly with, with confidence because we're confident in our right standing before him. So what does an effective prayer life look like? Does it look like, does it mean you get whatever you want. Well, if it does, we're doomed because no one gets everything they want. So yes, doesn't mean that. <laughs> it does mean though, yeah. that when you know God's will, you pray, or go, know God's word, you pray according to his will and God loves to answer according to his will. So we get whatever we ask in God's will or according to God's will. So our prayer life should be informed by and filled with God's word. And so if we pray things that God has himself said he wants, that's the kind of prayer that God delights in answering. So we ask things according to God's word. Now, we said the tendency of our heart is to condemn us. Actually, John said that. So where do we go then to know that our heart is wrong? Well, Romans chapter 8. Because Paul there is writing, he says, who can condemn us if God justifies us? And the, the, way, that, uh, the way that John says it here is, God is greater than our hearts. In other words, if God saves us by the blood of Christ, even our own doubts can actually remove us from God's presence. Now, doubt may be a conviction of the Holy Spirit that you need to trust Christ. It could also be a lie designed to rob your joy in Christ. And so what we're seeking to do is have confidence and joy in our relationship with God. So in this, uh, in this section, verses 21 and 22, assurance does, we can know a couple things about assurance. One is, that a faithful and fruitful prayer life can contribute to assurance. In other words, if we have confidence in our relationship with God, we'll pray to God and see answers to prayer. Well, that, that leads to a sense, hey, 
I have a relationship with this person. This person uh, speaks to me through his word, and, and I speak to him, and he listens to me. He's my father. So a fruitful prayer life can add to, can aid our assurance. But secondly, what does the absence of a prayer life tend to do? It tends to do the opposite, doesn't it? It can undermine our confidence. It can undermine our assurance. If we have no prayer life, it doesn't mean, it, it, praying or not praying, doesn't mean God saves you or doesn't save you. But it does affect your sense of confidence and your sense of security in your relationship with God. It affects our security in our position in Christ. All right, so let's move on to verses 23 and 24. What is, so he, he's going he's gonna to get to the commandments of God. We think of God's commands as, I don't know, the Ten Commandments or the 613 laws in the Old Testament. But what is the kind of commandment that he's talking about keeping? He's talking about the most important command of all. Verse 23, this is his commandment. What is his commandment? Love one another. We believe in Jesus Christ. Yep, exactly. Believe in Christ and love each other. So how I don't know. Did y'all learn the uh, song when uh, obedience is the very best way to show that you believe? You don't know that? Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. What? It's a kid, kid song. I don't know. It's, it's probably been 25 years since I've sung it, but it's, it's a kid song about showing your faith. And what he's doing here is he's saying there's a connection between obedience and faith. Obedience doesn't save you, but it shows that you believe. It, it shows your faith. And so believing in Christ lives itself out in obedience to God's commands. And the very most basic command is believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. You cannot know God if you don't believe in Jesus. But then he says, if you do that, you'll also love one another as he commanded us. Your obedience shows that you believe. Or uh, what about the, the old hymn, Trust and Obey? You know that one? Okay, there, I'm, getting, I'm getting a few more nods there. <laughs> yeah. All right, it's, it's the same idea. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Obedience doesn't save you, but, it, but it's, it's, it's a living out of the faith. It's a living out of the trust. And then he gets into a final test. He kind of, he kind of adds one here. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him, verse 24. And by this, we know that God abides in us. And how is it that we know how, that God abides in us? By what? Spirit. By the spirit whom he has given us. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> there's this witness within us that all of this is true. Mm -hmm. That God has made us his child through faith in Christ. That we're living this out in loving relationships with other people. That we're obeying God's word. We're living out our faith that way. And it's his spirit within us that does this. Mm -hmm. The spirit reveals the truth of God's word to us. It helps us understand. Uh, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians, that he illumines, he opens our eyes to understand God's word because it's spiritually discerned, not naturally discerned. Mm -hmm. But also he reveals our relationship to God himself. And so the spirit links this. And so what we do is we rest in Christ. Christ is enough. We rest in our faith in Christ. That is enough. But as we ask the question, well, how do I know that I'm doing that? 
we look then to the work of the Spirit, or as Galatians 5 puts it, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. It's, it's, it's fruit that the Spirit produces in us as a way of knowing that we are in Christ, that we are rooted in Christ, that we know Christ through faith in Christ. Well, this is God's word to us tonight from 1 John 3. I hope it's encouraging, and I hope that when your heart condemns you, you remember that God is greater than your heart and enough to overcome even our own tendency to be self-deceived. We can trust God, we can trust his word, and also that his spirit will reveal these things to us. Well, let's close in a word of prayer. God, we do thank you so much for your word, for the way that you use it to shape and change us. Lord, I pray that you will help us to love you with our whole heart, to live out our faith in relationship with each other. And Lord, I pray too for um, brothers and sisters here who may struggle with a level of confidence or assurance. Lord, I pray that you would assure them if they are in Christ, that they are in Christ. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.